without further ado, the guest of the night, as I said, breaking news and WWE writer from Bleacher Report and the host of Ring Rust Radio, Mr. Donald Wood. You can hit him up on Twitter at Donald underscore Wood. What's up, Donald? What's up, man? How you doing? I can't complain, man. You got me on the air. I'm pretty pumped. <laughs> uh, first of all, um, thank you for coming on. I know we, I know me and you were going back and forth on email for a couple of days. Um, I, I'm glad that you're on. It's a pleasure. You do a great radio show, which is very, very popular on the on the internet. And uh, just for you taking some time out to talk to me today, um, I greatly appreciate it, man. Yeah, no, my pleasure, man. I love talking wrestling, man. Likewise, man. Uh, I, I've been doing. This is my third show. Uh, third day in a row talking wrestling, and some people hit me up like, "Hey, man, you used to talk about NBA and football, man. Why are you talking about wrestling?" I'm like, "Hey, man, it's it's something that I could talk more wrestling in a day than I can with the NBA and the and the NFL. My head is like a encyclopedia with wrestling, and and, and it really shocks a lot of people that I know, man. Well, the thing about wrestling, I never met anybody who. You either love wrestling or you hate wrestling. I, I never met anybody who's like really impartial to it, and I've I, I've never met I've never I've seen a sport so maligned. Like I, I could go into a bar and I I write about breaking news. I write about sports all day. I write about all kinds of sports. I could sit with you and we could shoot and talk about every different sport. But I'll go the same with wrestling, and I don't see a real difference between the sports and wrestling. I know there is a, a very clear difference, but I put it in the same thing. It, it's sports to me in a sense. I mean, like I cover it like I would cover a sport. But I never. People will be the first that. Yo, you like what are you a kid, man? I grew out of wrestling when I was in school. You know what I mean? I grew out of that. It's like, uh, all right, man. What's your favorite show? What do you like to watch? You know, Break Breaking Bad. I like Lost or whatever. Well, that's no different, man. I watch Raw. That's my show. That's what I watch. You're right, and it's something that goes way back in time. Um, you know, I've, you know, Donald, I'm I'm 31 years old, and you know, the product that I watch now compared to back in the day, it's, it's, it's a total flip, total 360. I've been watching wrestling since, um, you know, the, the 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 late 80s, and people tell me all the time, do you favor that more than the NBA or the NFL? And, and, you know, I watch it more than baseball. I can't stand to watch more than one inning in baseball. It's not exciting to me. So, you know, when it comes down to it, am I going to watch an NBA game, depending on, on who's on, or am I going to watch something live with wrestling, even now with the network, me, I'm going to go with the network because that's just me being a long-time wrestling fan. Well, it depends on the game. I, I yeah. want the best. <laughs> I want the best. I don't care if it's football. I don't care if it's basketball. I don't care if it's hockey. I don't care if it's curling in the Olympics. If it's mm. a competition, and I, I, that's what I want to watch. I want to watch something that's entertaining. I, like I said, when the Olympics were around, I covered all these events. I was hooked in curling, dude. It's like, cur- what? what? I didn't know what it was three days, <laughs> days ago. But America's doing well at it, so I want to know what we're doing. You know what I mean? So you get into mm. stuff. So when it comes to sports, but I, I, wrestling's in the same vein to me. I'm just, I mark out for, for basketball. I mark out for football. I mark out for wrestling. And, and, and for those who can't see the excitement and the joy in that, that's not my problem, but they're missing out, in my opinion. Mm. As I said in the intro, you are the host, I guess the one of many hosts of the Ring Rust Radio Show, which is on blogtalkradio.com, also featured on Bleacher Report. Um, how did that show come about since it, it definitely has become a major radio show that's posted all over the Internet? 
Uh, I created this all by myself. That was this is all mine, man. This this whole ring rustery, all these zeros of dollars I've made over the years, they're all mine. They're all mine, man. So, but we just started. I was on a show with uh, Bleach Report's uh, breaking news team about five years ago. Uh, it was the the reason I got hired there is because I was Macho Man had just passed away and they needed somebody who was willing to write about wrestling and like I said some people are snobby about it. I'm not writing wrestling I'm not I'm too good for that so you know right. what I stepped in I showed them hey I'll write about whatever you put in front of me and that's how I got hired but from that point on they realized man this kid knows what he's talking about he he's got a, a, a good personality let's see if we can't get a microphone in front of him see if he's good. And from that point, they tried to put me on another show. I said, you know what? I'm just going to do this my own way. I started my own show, and uh, we never looked back, man. Now we're five, four or five years later, four years, I think. Uh, we've interviewed a bunch of people like Stone Cold. Uh, earlier today, I talked to Abyss from TNA, one of the nicest guys I've ever talked to. So I, we just keep chugging, man. Well, you did just mention Stone Cold, Abyss, and, and countless others. Um, the biggest guest you had on, that's one question. And has there ever been a guest that you had on the show, and it felt more than just having a guest on, where it felt like you're talking to one of your all-time favorites, one of your all-time idols? So it, it, it's a two-part question. Big, the biggest guest you had on, and anybody that you had on, it felt more than just a, a regular interview. All right. Well, I'll tell you an honest-to-God truth. Uh, I get I get nervous for every single interview we do. It's just something I do. I, I get nervous before a show. We we record our show, it's the three of us, you know what I mean? I get nervous right. before that. It's just it's that excitement. You know when you when I, when I played sports all through high school and college, it was like when you're sitting in the locker room waiting to get on the field, it's that. It's that feeling. It's like I I want to go. Let's go. I want to be on this. And it's like you you got butterflies, but you're you're a little bit nervous, but you're ready to go and you can't, you know what I mean? It's anticipation. And I I've always felt that and I think that I'll walk away when I stop feeling that. You know what I mean? When it becomes right. uh, when it becomes work, when I when I lose that joy, I walk away because then it's then it's not a, it's not what I want to do anymore. But as far as interviewing people, yeah, I've marked out for damn near everybody to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> with, from, from from indie guys to to guys just everybody. I mean, I talked to Stone Cold. That was obviously huge for me. But my my personal um, favorite. We, I mean, honestly, we we talked to Dixie Carter, the president of TNA. We talked to people I didn't think would be great interviews. They were great interviews. We've talked to, to legend. We talked to Jake the Snake when he was in, going through a troubled time. That was a pretty telling interview. You know what I mean? We've, we interviewed New Jack. So we've gone from every spectrum um, to, the, to the top, to the bottom, and everything in between. Uh, but honestly, it, my most favorite was Paul Heyman. Uh, Paul Heyman is the best on the microphone. Paul Heyman is also what he does. He came on our show. He did his shtick. He involved us with his shtick, and it became this long segment. We only were supposed to have 10 minutes with the guy. We got more than that. Uh, he was super nice to us on and off air. So uh, it was really, really fun. So I'd say Paul Heyman's my favorite, but Stone Cold, Goldberg's another really good one. So we've had a, a bunch of – the thing is we haven't really met too many people who are mm-hmm. were ignorant to us or something. I was expect, you know, getting into this, I was expecting more people who would be ignorant. You know what I mean? I really haven't right. found that many. Well, you, two things. Um, to to harp it back on the point, the fact that you, I guess you 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 get nervous before every show, and they know what's so funny, Donald. I've been doing this whole podcasting thing for this is year five, and uh, long story short, I 
this was never my thing. <laughs> I was never one of those, hey, put a microphone in front of me and let me just entertain people. And, you know, the whole idea of doing a show for our basketball tournament here in the city, um, they was like, hey, man, you want to do this? And, and I was like, no, I, I don't think I can I can't do. I can't talk to, <laughs> for somebody for an hour and be live and have people tune in and try to get the, 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 the street ball players and the coaches to come on. Like I, I felt it was too much work. Then after a while, people that that knew me heard it and was like, "Hey man, you know, you sound a little nervous. You sound a little, you know, like you like you're not confident enough in in what you're talking about." And then me, I don't know if you do it, but when I do a show, and depending on who's who's on the show and how great it was, I don't I don't hear it back. And I'm like, I can't hear myself over, and I can't critique myself. Maybe I should, but it's like, nah, I, I, the show is over. Go on to the next one and move forward. And I've never, oh. I've never been able to do that. Depending on, like I said, depending on who it is, and I, I sit back and I'm like, wow, man, this is one great interview. I can hear this one, but I'm not going to hear the other ones. Fast forward. Now I'm doing the shows by myself. I got that that uh, Hoops in the Sun radio show. I got this Cruise Control podcast, and now now I'm like, hey man, put a phone, put a microphone. I'll get the guests, and I'll do whatever. But still, I have that little bit of nervousness because I want everything to go well. You, Don, you know Blog Talk Radio. You know <laughs> the, the show can get cut off at any time. The caller can't get in, and you're you're screwed. And then it's like, what do you do? But I don't think about that. I'm like, listen, I, I, the time is on. I'm rolling. The guest calls in, and basically you do what you just do what you got to do. No, a hundred percent agreed. Uh, the ner- the nerves come from excitement. You know what I mean? Uh, this is this is what we do for. It's a hobby. You know what I mean? This is and if you're doing a hobby, you better enjoy it. If I'm doing something after work, if I'm putting in this kind of work, I better enjoy it. So I'm go- I'm going to get nervous because I want it to be perfect. Now listening back, I listen back to every one of our episodes. Our episodes are like four hours long a piece, dude. Every single episode I listen back to, and I take notes. What can I do better? How can I be better the next time? I oh man, I messed this up. I'm not gonna mess that up again. But you know what, dude? This is dog eat dog world, and I am not gonna be outworked. So that's what I have to put in. I have to put those. I have to put those hours in because I'm gonna get those hours back one day. When somebody who somebody with the money says to me, "Hey man, we really like your show. We want to pay you to do this." I'm going to say, well, yeah, this is the best product I can offer you, and I can tell you it's the best product I can offer you because that's, a, that's what I believe. Mm. Real quick, when when does the, the Ring Rust radio, uh, radio air so that the people can, like, tune in when they're off of mine? <laughs> two, two, it's, uh, like I say, it's, it's, uh, two, it goes live Tuesday nights, uh, but it, 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 the time varies. You know, we, we don't use uh, Blog Talk Radio's recording stuff. We, we use our own recording stuff. Uh, so we we upload our our show to the site, um, and so it's Tuesday night somewhere between like uh, eight and ten somewhere in there goes live. But then you get any time; it's on demand. You know what I mean? That's the key. Mm. Our show you're, you're not gonna. A lot of people it's become appointment radio for a lot of people. I can tell that because when I take a little longer to edit the show, I just mm. get flooded on Twitter with hate mail. Like, where's the show? Where's the show? Where's the show? So I realize now it's become appointment, but it's really for. Um, it's a long show, so it's for people like me. I, when I go for a run, I'm going for like a two-mile run. i got to have something to listen to to get me through all that. So I need something longer. So that's what it's for. It's a longer podcast. It, you, you, maybe you drive a half hour to and from work every day. That's five days, man. You, you're driving a lot. Our podcast fills that gap. Uh-huh. And before I switch it up to, to kind of go back to your biggest guess as far as pro wrestling, me, I, I was able to have the opportunity to uh, – 
interviewed DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, about uh, last month in December. And long story short, I was like, hey, man, it's, the show is about to end. And I'm like, DDP, you might do me a favor. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you heard it. But I was like, you know, I'm going into the new year, 2015. I've been doing this for a while. Um, I, I, I need a new audio drop. I need, a, I need a new intro drop. And I was like, listen, um, how about you say this or say that? I got this on my head. But, you know, whatever you want to do, you know, just just go ahead and say it. So I, I think he was in the car. He was writing some stuff down. He, he wrote my name, Cruise Control Podcast. All right, so then he lays out this like, <laughs> I guess you want to say like a, like a promo kind of thing, and he just went out like a like a minute uh, audio drop, and then like he didn't stutter, he didn't mess up nothing. Cause, you know, he's this is what he does. And when he was over, I was I had a pause. I was like. Man, like, <laughs> I don't know what to say. So I'm like, you did it. I I had him on, and then the, he, he did the audio drop for me. I hung up, and then I was like, wow, like, man, like, DDP just came on the show, did that for me. Most people, you know, would be like, probably not, or maybe some other time, but he did it right there on the fly in his car. And, you know, we spoke about everything from his new documentary with J- Jake Roberts, WCW champion, macho man, all kind of stuff. So to to kind of harp on your Goldberg and Stone Cold, biggest guest kind of people, I think DDP has been the one for me because he's the only wrestler I ever had on the show. Well, th- let me say something. We had DDP on uh, twice or three times, and he we actually uh, I did DDP yoga for like almost a full year uh, before mm. I moved, and I kind of got out of it. But he is a class act. He. Uh, right. Actually, I was working and I did a couple articles for him, uh, writing for him, and he called me, and he just just to shoot the sh- shoot the tr- crap with me, just to talk to me, man. Uh, and it was like probably about twenty minutes, and it was just him being nice, and we hung up, and I was like, DDP just called me, dude, like just <laughs> for no reason, for no reason other than to like thank me and just like see how my life's going till next time he talked to me. I was like, and that that's the kind of stuff like. I forget sometimes. You know, this is a business. Wrestling's a business first and foremost to me because this is how I, we make my I make my living. You know what I mean? Right. But these are people. These are these are dudes. These are these are just human beings who are living their lives, and it just happens to be their job. Their job. The way I write for a living is the way they wrestle for a living. So it's it's really no different. I forget that. You you forget that sometimes because they're larger than life characters. Absolutely, Donna Wood. Breaking news and WWE writer for Bleacher Report, host of Ring Rust Radio. Hit him up. Hit him up on Twitter at Donald underscore Wood. Now, some pro wrestling talk. Um, obviously, biggest news coming from Monday on Raw was Macho Man Randy Savage finally getting that Hall of Fame nod. Um, just you as a big time, long time wrestling fan. Um, how happy, ecstatic um, were you? to find out that Macho Man won, arguably one of the greatest, is the one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, finally getting into the Hall of Fame. I'm not going to be a dead horse. Everybody knows it's great. Uh, my, my, but I actually was not as excited as many others were. Uh, because, mm-hmm. one, I, I, it's, it, this, is, this is, okay, this is like Jordan getting in 17 years after his career. Yeah, yeah, he should have been. Yeah, he should have been in. So, right. Okay. Yes. Yes. I'm excited he's getting in, but that doesn't erase all these years of just passing him over, forgetting about him. And now, since he's passed away, I don't get. 
I don't get that Ultimate Warrior moment. We got Ultimate Warrior coming back last year. We got Bruno and San Martino, guys who I thought would never come back to WWE. Well, they came back and they got a speech. They got to say their bit. They got to close the book. They got to close the chapter on that. Mm-hmm. Macho Man never gets that. Macho Man, one of the greatest personalities in wrestling history, will never get that. And that, to me, that's not. And that's not. Uh, that's not good. I don't like that. That and that. That kind of taints the feeling of this. And what taints even further is Hulk Hogan being the one to do it. Hulk Hogan and him never got along. They're infamously not friends. You know what I mean? I so. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I'm very excited. He, of course, he deserves it. There's no question about it. But the the way WWE is doing it, it, it seems a little little late and a little. Uh, I don't know. I I don't like it 100. percent Well, you know what, Don? It, it how you feel about Hogan uh, inducting him was what was the reaction I got on, on my Twitter feed on, on Monday, where like, you know, uh, there was a, there was a little sprinkle of. Okay, okay, great. You know, Hogan's you know inducting him, but then you have more of the other people. Like, listen, um, I'm not too sure Hogan should be the one. Uh, people were saying, well, what about Steamboat? What about somebody else that you know that he had a better rapport with than Hogan? We know there was ups and downs with him, but you know maybe that's just you know their way of saying, listen, we know Macho Man's getting inducted. You're gonna watch it now. You're gonna watch it on the network. You're probably gonna pay that nine ninety nine just to see the Macho Man induction ceremony. Uh, now, with to, 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 you know, to be to be fair, most people were gonna watch the Hall of Fame anyway. Most people right. were gonna watch WrestleMania. If you're gonna watch anything on the network, it's you're already ordered it for WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the network is. I, I don't think Macho Man. I think what Macho Man does is he brings back. You're my, I'm 28, so you're you're not that much older than me. What Macho Man does is he brings back the people like 15 years older than us. You know what I mean? He brings the people back who are like 18, 19, in like the early 80s, and then went through. Because if they liked wrestling at what, what we were when we really liked wrestling, and when we were growing up in that time, it would be Macho Man. That would be their that's their Daniel Bryan. So that that's you're gonna get those guys who have been like ah you know what I'm tired of this. And they went away. But, you know, Macho Man can bring them back. And in that sense, I agree with you. That that will bring in some names. And that, that's, I think, WWE's hope. But, again, that feels like they're using them, and I don't like that. You know what I mean? No, I, 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 do, I do agree with that. And it's like the fact how and then it, it'll kind of lead to what I'm going to ask you next. Does it feel like now when Stone Cold did the podcast with, with McMahon, and that was one of the questions he asked him, with Macho Man getting the Hall of Fame, and then Vince, Vince did say, yeah, you know, he's getting in, but I don't know when. Like, Kind of like that up in the air, like, yeah, he's going to get in eventually, but maybe not this year. Do you feel like now that that decision of putting him in was kind of rushed because of that segment or the fact that that was kind of their plan, but they didn't want to like ruin the surprise for, for people? Oh, I, I'm sure they had uh, – the, the thing is, the, one of the reasons why he was in the Hall of Fame before was a holdup with uh, his brother Lanny Poffo and the Poffo family uh, mm. letting go of Randy Savage's like likeness and all that kind of stuff and saying, like, yeah, you could put him in there. We'll agree to that. You know what I mean? So what I think was before the before the podcast ever happened, uh, Lanny Poffo did a an interview, and he said that uh, pretty much said like yeah we we relinquished to WWE's demands and we're gonna let him go in pretty much so so he kind of scooped it 
months and months and months ago. You know, it just it just was a matter of when it was going to happen. Right. Stone Cold kind of kind of put a, a flame to that fire a bit more. You know what I mean? And, and then from there, I, I think this has been the plan all along. They need a, you need a huge name each year, and I think this is the last year was the Ultimate Warrior. This year it's going to be uh, Macho Man. So. Yeah, I, I just find it interesting, and then I, I made this point on the show I had um, yesterday, how, you know, three people who kind of took forever to get in was, like, you know, Bruno and Warrior and now Macho, and then you look at it, they were all getting in and back-to-back-to-back years, and it's like, hey, man, these guys should have been a long time ago. And it, it, it's just kind of funny how it, it's surreal and everything circles around, and in back-to-back-to-back years, you're getting three of the biggest names ever um, into all the fame. I mean, I, I, I'm just happy they all got in. I, I was a big Warrior fan when I was younger, and just to see him finally get that induction ceremony and him talking and just kind of everything come full circle. We knew the history about him and, and McMahon was we, we so drawn out for so long. And at the, at the end of the day, I was just happy for Warrior. I'm, I'm happy for Macho finally getting in. And I, I just know that at the end of the day, it's you, Macho Man was kind of like I could be wrong, but maybe like that last big name, like from the '80s or whatever. That's that, that that's gonna get in. Is, is there somebody else going into next year that has a big name but still hasn't gotten in, but should have been in a long time ago? I don't know. If there, I don't know if there's people who uh, should have been in a long time ago. I think maybe Macho Man. You could be correct. The Macho Man could be one of the last holdouts in that sense. But you've got huge names and stuff to go in. You've got the Undertaker. You've got the Rock, uh, Sting. So there, there are still huge names, and there was Cena eventually. So there are still and there's still uh, tag team demolition. There's there's people who aren't in yet. So there's still plenty of talent out there. The British Bulldogs not in. Bam Bam's not in. So there's a, there's always going to be a huge list of people, um, but you never know. You know what I mean? I don't know. Mm. They they were big names. That, good. No, go ahead. Finish. They well they they want they want big names. They usually do two huge names. Like last year they did uh, Jake the Snake and they did Ultimate Warrior. Uh, so I feel like there's there's going to they have to have something else up their sleeve. I don't know what it's going to be. Uh, but I think it's going to be something else big. There's always going to be a celebrity. There's always going to be uh, a, a woman's introduction. So there's there's a bunch of cool stuff. I'm actually excited for this class because any class headlined by Macho Man is going to be remembered by us. So this better be good. Right. Where do you rank Macho Man all the time? Uh, you know, this, this debate can go forever, but people are going to say top ten, five, top five, top three, or number one, you personally – where would you rank him all time? It's too hard to to make a top ten, top five, whatever to do a top one hundred list because it's so subjective. But if I'm making it for just me, uh, I don't know where he ranks in the top five, but he's he's damn sure in the top five. Just because, he, listen, he was he really was the Daniel Bryan of the '80s and into the '90s because he was so much more gifted in the ring athletically than the guys around him. Yes, he wasn't smaller like Daniel Bryan was, but when you had, it was the land of the giants in the 80s. It was, everybody was so huge, and he was so athletic. He was so charismatic. You couldn't, no one could hold a candle to him on the microphone. He, he was the best. He was the, the best 
and it, he had great feuds and great matches, and it was it was consistent. He was always good, and he became a, a cult phenom with the Slim Jims in the '90s. And then it was like from that point on, it was like we could never get enough Macho Man. You know what I mean? So I, I was Macho Man transcended wrestling, and that's the hardest thing to do in wrestling because of its wrestling has, like we said in the beginning, uh, it, people kind of look down on wrestling sometimes, and. If if a, if a wrestler can transcend wrestling and be a, a mainstream star like Hulk Hogan was, uh, like Macho Man really was, that means you've become one of the best. You know, I mean, Ric Flair. They were they were doing the Ric Flair chant when the Colts won. You know what I mean? It's that kind of guy. Mm. Do you have Do you have a favorite Macho Man match? I have a favorite Macho Man. Feud. He, he, his, okay, if I'm just going purely matches, I think the just the magnitude of the the WrestleMania match against Ricky Steamboat. It's that was the end all be all. You know what I mean? That was it. That was that was that is his that's his crowning jewel. Um, but but in my opinion, it, it, I judge by feud. What is the best storyline? Because those usually yield the best matches, even if it's a set of matches. And and. It wasn't very long, but the work Jake the Snake Roberts did with Randy Savage was just incredible. Uh, both right. of those guys together was just they were they were both on Jake the Snake. I think Jake the Snake actually outshined uh, Macho Man in that feud, but it was just they were both at their best. Miss Elizabeth was involved. It was just awesome. So that was that was probably one of my favorites. Mm. Shifting gears into the current product. Um... Daniel Bryan is finally back after eight months. What I've been reading on, on online and the internet was the fact that I I guess it was the plan was to have Roman Reigns win the Royal Rumble, but now to me that's kind of up in the air with Daniel Bryan being back. Uh, if you ask me, Donald, from a fan standpoint, fan perspective, just a better match, better story heading into WrestleMania, I prefer Daniel Bryan against Brock Lesnar. Um, some people want to see Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for the title. How do you see it playing out? Which match would you rather see at at the main event of WrestleMania? Uh, personally, it's, it's to me it should be Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar. Uh, Brock Lesnar is the is the biggest possible name in wrestling right now because of John Cena as far as draw mainstream draw goes. Uh, right. Because I mean, five times he sold a million pay per views with UFC. So that, that's legit. You know what I mean? That's, no, that's nothing to, to, to bat an eye at. Um, and if you're looking for a challenger, Roman Reigns is the guy that I imagine the WWE likes. And if you had to tell me to pick, like I'm Vince McMahon, I say Roman Reigns wins this match. But if you're asking me as a fan, the idea of not only do I get – this is my scenario. I'm going to play it out for you and just you, – you tell me what you think of this. Okay, ready? Okay. I I got Brock Lesnar walking out of the Royal Rumble. However it happens, he walks out with the championship to main event WrestleMania. Daniel Bryan wins the Rumble. He goes, and they fight each other. Daniel Bryan gets gets beat down so bad throughout the match, still somehow makes his comeback, somehow pulls off the surprise victory of a lifetime against Brock Lesnar. That's huge. Uh, he, he wins the title. He's celebrating. Brock Lesnar moves away, and it's just, it's just Daniel Bryan having his moment. And just moments later, Seth Rollins comes down. Paul Heyman turns and helps Seth Rollins cash in on, on Daniel Bryan, and Daniel Bryan loses the title at WrestleMania 31, just seconds after beating Brock Lesnar. Okay. 
I I agree with you. Lesnar walks out of Royal Rumble as the champ. Daniel Bryan hopefully wins the Royal Rumble. They main event. Now, you know, <laughs> Vince and them guys can they they can swerve people. They can swerve the audience and make it think like Daniel Bryan come back from injury. He never lost the belt. He finally wins it against Brock Lesnar, big guy, tough guy, you know, and then boom. Can you hear Seth Rollins cashing in? Or what about this? What if Seth Rollins' music hits, he just walks to the ring, having everybody thinking he's going to cash in, but then does it? Just kind of giving, like Dan, giving Daniel Bryan like that little notion, like, yeah, you're the champ now, but I'm watching you. Because I have no idea what, what, they, what they're going to do with Seth. Um at the Rumble, going towards WrestleMania, who are they going to fight? Maybe Dean Ambrose or Roman Reigns. Um, that remains to be seen, or whether he cashes in before WrestleMania. But I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do with him because you know what's so funny. That's my that that was my next question to you. What do you think they're going to do outside of your scenario? What else can they do with his money Money in the Bank briefcase that can kind of shock people besides your scenario? Well, no one's ever cashed in. I don't think there's any other scenario. No one's ever cashed in at WrestleMania. Can you think of a more impactful right. moment? Um, can you think of something more heelish than taking Daniel Bryan's moment away again? First things first, let me say, it's better when the face chases the championship, right? Can we agree? It's better when the good guy is trying to get the bad guy. He's, oh, every time he gets there, oh, they just take it away from him. That's what we want as wrestling fans. It's better when the chase, the the chase, you know what they say with the ladies, man. The hunt is as good as the catch, you know what I mean? And it's the truth. It's exactly right. Heyman. With Seth Rollins, there's been rumors that Brock Lesnar could leave the WWE immediately following WrestleMania and go back to UFC or go do something else, right? So in that sense, you've got to keep Paul Heyman around. So if you turn if you turn Paul Heyman and have him help Seth Rollins win, Heyman aligns himself with the authority. What you're doing, you're taking the title away from Daniel Bryan, but in the process, you're giving him even more momentum with the crowd because, hey, as a fan – if they take Daniel Bryan's title away again, how pissed are you going to be? You know what I mean? You're going to be mad as hell. But also, with that, with, with Heyman working with Rollins and Rollins having a direct relationship with the authority, you're rekindling the Bryan versus authority storyline that headlined last year's WrestleMania that we love so much. So you're, you're, it's just like 50 birds with one stone. So basically you're saying they, in that route, they're gonna they're gonna put the put the brakes on Roman Reigns because if you look at it, a lot of fans or some fans you, you can kind of tell they're not kind of feeling you know Reigns right now with the promos and that was a, that was one horrible promo on Monday by the way, but the fact is like do you feel fans are kind of like eh, like Roman we like you but uh, at the same time. We don't think you're ready for that big spotlight. I think they're rushing you too quick. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I absolutely feel, and I feel they are rushing him. I, he was to me. He he is the member of the Shield. They're launching to the title scene as soon as possible. I feel like both of the other members of the Shield are far superior on the mic and in the ring. Uh, so that's just what it is. But I'll give. I'm not gonna just. Rip him horribly like I usually do. Usually I really don't like Seth. I you no, I love Seth Rollins. Usually I don't like Roman Reigns, but I'm gonna say something about that Beanstalk promo. He didn't write oh, that. God. I know he didn't write that. Okay, I know that's garbage right. being fed to him. 
So you know what? As much as I want to complain about him, he needs something to work with. I, I think my buddy Mike Kiari from Ring Rose Radio, he said, even The Rock couldn't have made me care about that promo. And he's right. If Rock told me about a beanstalk, I'd be like, what are you talking about, dude? Sorry, I don't get it. <laughs> no, and, and and it's weird. I'm like, anyways, I, I, know, I know he didn't write that. It's just... I just hope that whatever they have planned for him, whether it's winning the Rumble, the title, or having a, a, a feud go into WrestleMania, I just hope they put him in, in, in a position where the fans can can continue to buy into him through Mania, post-Mania, whether it be now, if, if your plan, scenario plans out where Rollins is now the champ, uh, cashing in, or Daniel Bryan, does Roman Reigns get put into that mode? It remains to be seen because we just never know what they're going to do. But my next question is this. Just as much as they're rushing into Roman Reigns, do you feel like they rushed the authority to come back real quick? Because it was Survivor Series, the whole thing about, you know, if they lose, they're out of power, Sting comes out, Dolph Ziggler gets to win. Now the authority's off television. Bam, a couple of weeks later, they're right back on TV right, right before the new year. Do you feel like it diminished Sting's appearance, even Dolph's win, the fact that the authority is back within a month? Uh, looking back now, when it happened, when when the authority came out with wine glasses, like immediately following that announcer when, when Cena said that, I was I was just in shock. I was like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I can't, I couldn't even fathom it. I just stood blankly just like I can't I can't handle this. But looking back, no, because I remember Survivor Series as the authority being taken out of power. They can't take that away. Sting's appearance can't be taken away. Dolph Ziggler's right. performance can't be taken away. I still appreciate all of those things. I think the booking of the authority coming back was horrible, but I mean for those complaining about that have you watched WWE recently? It's all horrible. It's all horrible. You just have to take the, you have to understand that what you get in that moment. Survivor Series in a vacuum was awesome. Those moments, I will, will always, I'll always remember Sting coming back. I'll always remember because of Sting how Ziggler performed in that match. You know what I mean? That was huge. That was so huge. And how they got them out of power, those moments will live forever. The authority coming back, we'll never probably ever see that highlight of them coming back ever again. You know what I mean? Right. So it doesn't discount it as much as people tell me it should. You know what I mean? At least not to me. I asked, uh, I'm asked. i going to ask you the same question that I asked Graham Matthews of Bleacher Report yesterday, and we were on this topic for about maybe five minutes, maybe ten minutes. The fact that you watch the pay-per-views, you watch the Raw, same, same as me, but we we both know there are there there are more than one thing that annoys us about the product, about what's going on, how they produce the shows, the matches, so on and so forth. So I'm gonna ask you if you can just name three, because I I feel that there's probably more than three. But if you can narrow it down to three, three things that utterly annoy you, or kind of like just make you cringe when you watch the current product today, three things. I'm gonna. I'll tell you the truth. It's. It's. I'll fix the whole show, and it's one thing, dude. It's. I only need one thing, and it's okay. stories. Give me stories. Give me. Can, go. Give me coherent stories. Give me long term. Long term storytelling. Give me characters I can get behind. Develop them properly. Give me something I can latch onto and care about. That's all I ask for. 
The wrestling, they do fine wrestling, but they have nothing. They tell me no stories. They tell me, Vince told me when he was interviewed by Vince or Stone Cold, he's got 26 writers. Well, you know what? Some of, somebody's got to be able to write something because the mid-card's got no writing. There's no writing. There's no character development. I talk, Like I said before, I, said, I don't even know where I said this. The bunny. Everybody points to the bunny and shows how horrible this is. Oh, my God, the bunny's so horrible. If you gave me a story about the bunny that gave, that gave me a feeling that it would eventually lead to someone being unveiled as the bunny, I could care about it. It's not hard. It's called telling me a story. You can make me care about anything because as a wrestling fan, I'm already tuning in. You got me hook, line, and sinker. Everybody can say, oh, if, it's get, if it gets any worse, I'm turning off Raw. You, if you're a wrestling fan, you're probably not going to turn off Raw. You'll probably be back next week. What you should hope for is something you can latch on to while you're there. They don't care. That's why I watch other wrestling. That's why you ever see Lucha Underground? Because that's awesome. That tells stories. That develops characters. If WWE did some of the things that Lucha Underground does, I could get behind it. It's, it's just developing characters, telling proper stories, and, and also not treating your fans like they're all nine. You know what I mean? Some of us are older than nine. So tell like a like a, we we talked about shows before. Tell me a Breaking Bad caliber story. Tell me on a, that reading level. Don't send me Nickelodeon stuff all the time. You know what I mean? I want some highbrow stuff sometimes too. Yeah, I, I think it, I think it's becoming to a point where you know we we've seen so many um, so much of wrestling and so many shows that it's like you know don't. Don't insult our intelligence because most of your audience are, like you said, are not nine, ten, eleven years old. And I understand they're in the PG era. I understand they want to cater to the young audience, but at some point, it's like, like I said, not everybody in your audience is nine, ten, eleven, twelve years old. You have twenty-five year olds. You have thirty year olds. You have people older than me watching the product, and it's like, you know, uh, there are some times where when I see the bunny, where I see stupid things, I'm like, click. Because I don't want to. I, I, sometimes, sometimes you have to look to your left and to your right to make sure no one's watching you, uh, watching the product. And like, nah, I don't want to be seen watching this. So I'm gonna put on football. I'm put on basketball. I'm put on whatever, and then come back when that's over. To me, that's one of my pet peeves about the current product. Other thing is, um, like you said, the, the storyline. Like you don't. You, uh, Seth Rollins and D- Dean Ambrose was what, like the last great rivalry we had? And you, can you name anyone before that? Like, they don't provide huh. that for you. Like you said, the storyline, the rivalries, it just doesn't make you watchable, you know? The perfect example of, of no story is Dean Ambrose versus Bray Wyatt. On paper, if you tell me Dean Ambrose is going to fight Bray Wyatt, that excites me. When that first happened, I was like, ooh, this is going to be really cool. This has, mm-hmm. like, Oh, that's Attitude Era feel to it. Like, these two guys are really adult characters. Dean Ambrose is a legit crazy person who's an right. adult character. Bray Wyatt, very adult character. That's a cult leader. That's adult. So I was like, oh, this could be great. But what they did was they just let them, their characters be, and they told no story at all. The only storyline development was a chair. He broke his chair. That's not, you know, you're not going to get me to care. As much as I love both of those guys, I can't love them... I can't love them with no storyline behind it. doesn't make any sense. They're fighting for no reason. The other one is the fact that the announcers, they don't, they don't sell me enough. And, and, and I know they have to promote a thousand things, social media, this, the network. I get all that. But at the same time, you're not, maybe, you know, I'm just so, so uh, 
whatever to Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler. I'm so used to them. I'm, uh, I'm spoiled. But the fact is, when I see Bray Wyatt or Dean Ambrose, Seth Rollins, whoever it is, I don't feel you don't feel emotionally invested <clears throat> invested into that match, into that rivalry, into whatever storyline, because the announcers don't push it to the limit where I'm believing what what I'm seeing on TV and. Michael Cole and JBL and, and all of do, do do a good job, but they just don't go above and beyond for me as the fan watching to be like, oh, wow, man, I, I can't believe this reminds me of when JR. To me, every call, like when, when Bray Wyatt came back at Hell in a Cell to, to, and, and he came back and hit Dean Ambrose, that would have been a perfect time for me to hit JR like, Bray Wyatt, Bray Wyatt, oh, my God, Bray Wyatt. Instead, we get Michael Cole like, oh, it's Bray Wyatt. And I'm like, dude, I know it's Bray Wyatt because I'm looking dead at him, but you're not selling me because I don't know. I, I have no idea why they don't do that. <laughs> do they do that because it annoys people and everybody complains about it? Or they just they just don't have that whatever factor that Lawler and, and Jim Ross had in the past. I don't think they have the it factor. I think that's you, you hit the nail on the head with that one. I, it's It's... Uh, they don't have it. They don't have what that, that it takes to do those things. But looking back now, we were totally spoiled. Uh, we Growing up, we had some of the best ever. Uh, Bobby Heenan it was the best. JBL is just a, a poor man's Bobby Heenan, and he's not that good at it either. Because Bobby Heenan, Bobby Heenan made me think that Marty Jannetty jumped through a plate glass window, despite the fact that Shawn Michaels clearly kicked him in the face through it. You know what I mean? He said to me, he said, oh, he jumped, look at him, he's trying to run away. He jumped through that window. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's what, and you know what, my biggest pet peeve with the announcers is them, like, forgetting their roles. Okay, JBL, you're a heel. I get it. If that's what you're going to do, do it. When the Ascension comes out and he's like, I hate these guys, I hate these guys, Michael, I don't know why to do this. It's like, you're the bad guy. They're bad guys. Sell them to me. Tell me how they're right about this. You know what I mean? But no, they don't. They just they they're in. They all think it's a, a big game, and it it hurts the product. Uh, what I noticed was when Seth Rollins fought John Cena uh, in the opening match of Raw. I think Michael Cole called three moves, and they were all John Cena finishers. It was the AA, and that's about, and like the STF. That's about it. He he didn't call any kicks, any punches, any moves. Nothing. He just said, oh, John Cena, Seth Rollins. That's, and you, you know what? I just miss sometimes the action. I miss I miss someone telling me what kind of move is about to happen, what move is right. happening as we speak. You know what I mean? Just little nuances of that that made you just invest in it. When there's nothing to invest, that's what I mean. It all comes back to stories. They're not telling stories with their words, which is what JR did, which is what, as much as people crap on uh, WCW. I love Tony Schiavone. He, he, he knew what he was doing. Yeah. And I, I miss that kind of stuff because they don't have it anymore. <clears throat> Last quick question before I ask you some random stuff before we head out. Um, the way, to me, I see it playing out, it's either going to be Triple H and Sting at WrestleMania, depending on the health of Undertaker, it could still be Undertaker and Sting at WrestleMania. You as a fan, would you rather see Hunter and Sting? Or if Taker is somewhat ready to go, would you rather see Undertaker and Sting at WrestleMania? 
I don't I don't ever buy the hype that Undertaker's not ready to wrestle at WrestleMania. I'll never buy the hype and uh, I can I he could be 115 and I'm not going to buy the hype because I know that he will tell them that this, there's no lies. Undertaker is smart to the business. He's always been that's why he put over Brock Lesnar the way he did. He he accepted that fate because he knows the business. He knows what's good, what's coming and what's going. If he's wrestling this year, he's already told WWE that he's wrestling. I believe he's wrestling. I believe that this he he only wrestles once a year. He's not as he, I mean he he's what early fifties, fifty four maybe somewhere in there. But he's he's not that old. So if he can wrestle one time a year, he gets medically cleared. Then yeah, he's gonna wrestle. If Sting is on this card, if Sting is wrestling on this card, and they don't know if Undertaker can go at WrestleMania thirty two, which is in Texas, which is where Undertaker's from. Right, so it's in Dallas at 32. So ideally, I want Undertaker Sting. I need that to happen. If they're on the same card this year and they don't fight each other, I'd be really sad. But in the same vein, if they know that he's coming back for 32 as well, you know what I mean? If if they save Sting versus Undertaker for WrestleMania 32, and then they give the Undertaker versus Bray Wyatt this year, and Bray Wyatt loses to the Undertaker, and that just is just a way to put him over, I could, I could buy that. I could really buy that. I think that'd be really cool to actually see a guy like Bray Wyatt take on The Undertaker. But it has to lead to something big between The Undertaker and Sting the following year. Sting can fight Triple H, whatever, that's fine. But Triple H versus Sting is nowhere near the match Sting versus Undertaker would be. Right. And could you imagine, hypothetically, if Steve Austin was to ever come back for one final match and it's in Texas in front of 100,000 people in WrestleMania 32? Could you imagine that? I just I just had this conversation. I swear to God, this it, that's his la- that's it that's it. If he doesn't come back at thirty two, he's never coming back. You know, he he's not going to come back this year. But if he doesn't come back for thirty two, and they, if you're building to Stone Cold, he would have to be there for a year. So if he's going to be at thirty two, he's either going to show up at, at WrestleMania or show up the night after WrestleMania and say, "Hey, I'm going to be at thirty two. I'm setting the stage. You know what I mean? I'm attacking John Cena or whatever, and I'm going to build for a year like we did with The Rock. You know what I mean? You have to do that with a guy like 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 a Stone Cold. I, I don't see it. I, I would put it I put it down like ten fifteen percent that Stone Cold ever comes back. But if there's ever a place, it's 32. <clears throat> two two quick things before I let you go, Donald. Matter of fact, three. Um, just, just to kind of sum it up, I know we both watched the network and um, the Monday Night War. I, right before I got on the show, I just finished the last episode, and it spoke about you know McMahon buying a company and how they utilized the WCW wrestlers after in, in WWE. One, um, did you watch the entire series? Two, your thoughts about it, and, and three, um, what do you feel is the over overall lasting legacy of WCW? I've watched as much as I could. I um, I think that I'll say this about the series: uh, the winner of Wars wins uh, writes the record books, right? The winner writes the record books. So it's easy to look back as WWF and WWE and say, hey, we uh, we won, so we can say whatever we want now. You know what I mean? WCW is right. not around to defend themselves or to, to defend what they did. You know what I mean? So in that sense, it is what it is. I, I, I like WCW more than I like WWE during that time. I was When I was a kid, I remember, if, I mean, anybody my age remembers 
uh, when Monday Nitro and uh, Raw were on the same night, I would have to tape one and watch the other live on a different TV. So I always remember watching Nitro live because I was more excited for it and taping Raw and watching it the following day on VHS because I, I wasn't going to miss one, I wasn't going to miss the other. But if I'm picking one, I'm picking WCW. That's just where I was as a kid. Um, but as it got old, as it got old, as it got along in age, as, as it we got to the Nashes and the Bischoffs and how they ran the business, they ran it into the ground. It was it was clearly the uh, the inmates running the asylum. And it, no offense to WCW and the people who created it, it had to die because it had gotten so out of control. Uh, and that's but you know it, it led to WWE be, becoming complacent. And when WWE becomes complacent, the indie scene really picked up. And right now, the independent wrestling scene in this country, uh, and then you got companies like Lucha and TNA and Ring of Honor, and you got PWG, and you got all these great companies. There, there's so much talent out there, uh, and it's just it's it's unbelievable how great the wrestling is outside of WWE right now. Two more, Don. Um, the show that I saw last night was Countdown, and they did a thing on, I don't know whether it was their top ten Intercontinental Champions or it was most infamous, some something like that. I saw it, and I kind of like, oh, I don't know why he was up there. But just kind of putting you under the fire real quick, uh, if, you can't, if you can't give me ten, then give me five. What do you think are the top ten or top five greatest Intercontinental Champions ever? Oh my God! Uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'll, I'll, write, I'll write it down as we go. Macho Man. It's in no particular order because I'm just thinking of the best off the top of my head. Right. Macho Man, Randy Savage, of course. Uh, Scott Hall is one of my favorites. Uh, I think he had like five times. Rob Van Dam is another really great one. Um, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, and I'll say, hmm, man, you put me on the spot. I would say bad words right here, but I won't do it now. Uh, and I'll say, uh, looking more modern, ah, boy, 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 boy. Uh, this is tough. tough one, huh? I don't know. Let me I'm trying to think of one in the last. I, I got a bunch of older ones. I'm trying to think of a modern day one. And honestly, can you think, just think of the last five years. Can you think of any of the Intercontinental Champions in the last five years that, that you can honestly say were great champions? Bad News Barrett's literally the only guy I could think of. Cody Rhodes, guys like that. It's, he changed the belt, but he really didn't do anything with it. Dolph didn't really do anything with it. It's like, it's been, it's wallowed in squalor for all these years. I can't, because I gave you a bunch of older names. I gave you all the older names from the, the 80s and the 90s, but I, I, could, I cannot give you a name from the 2000s. I mean, Jericho well, I, I, hit a nine late, times. Late, 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 late 2000s, because RVD was, like, early, and he held it, like, six or seven times. Mm-hmm. Well, then there's Jericho. He had it nine times. He had it the most, so maybe we yeah. that's the modern yeah, two. Oh, okay. Yeah, Jericho would probably crack it. But let's say from, from 2011 on, I can't even begin. Kofi had it. I know that. But honestly, none of them – strike me as really great reigns since, you know what I mean? Probably since 2008, 2009, probably. You're right. And and I think that's another pet peeve I have. It's the fact, you know, they just, I don't know why, but they don't value the Intercontinental belt 
like they did a long time ago. And, and you know, back in the days, if you were Intercontinental Champion, you were the second best wrestler in the company. And right now, it, it's not, it's it's not that way. It, it's you know, every other month, the new champion, whether it's Ziggler, Bad News Barrett, it's it's the Miz, it's Kofi Kingston, and 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 whoever it is now, it's like Luke Harper, and it's Dolph Ziggler again. It's like, you know, Dolph Ziggler is, is a great wrestler, but. I know he's more worth than just the Intercontinental Champion. Like, you know, at some point, stop putting the belt on the same people, give it to, to newer guys, but let them have it for for a while and make it believable that you can't beat them for, for the belt. Mm-hmm. Or like, wow, this guy is, is the prominent guy to, to have the Intercontinental Belt, to bring it to a different level where it is, I don't think it's at right now. You'd think that without Brock Lesnar and the World Championship on TV – that the IC belt would become so much more important, and that right. couldn't be farther from the case. And you're right. And so many guys could have had the belt. People like you know Rollins, people like Reigns, people like Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt. I don't see. I don't see why Bray Wyatt can't be Intercontinental Champion. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't. He, he doesn't need a, a title. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't need a title though. That's the thing. He's got a great character, and he can carry. Give him a storyline, and he can carry it. If I if I'm booking WWE. Randy Orton holds that Intercontinental Championship for like a year because if Randy Orton holds it, it feels special again. You know what I mean? He's a legit main event guy, whether you like him or not. Give him that title. It gives him something to do. It makes the belt feel important. It's close to the top of the card again, and done. You're done from that point on. Last one, Donald. First of all, before I I, I do ask you this, I I want to thank you. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, in the world of professional wrestling, um, this guy does a great job on Bleacher Report and the Ring Rust Radio Show. Um, I guess every every Tuesday you can catch him. Hit him up on Twitter at Donald underscore Wood. Last one, another one under the fire. I I put out out there on Twitter three months ago, and I got a whole bunch of responses, which is good. You know, it, it causes debate. Um, top ten theme songs ever in wrestling. And, you know, 10 is a lot because there are a lot of wrestlers that have music. And to narrow it down to the to the top 10 greatest, it's tough. But me, I feel like I did it. Whether I nailed it, I don't know. But I'm going to tell you the 10. And then you can tell me you disagree, you take it off, over, and you probably add your input. So, again, in no order, I had Stone Cold, I had DX, The New World Order, that's three. Undertaker, four. Chris Jericho, five. Goldberg, six. Crow Sting, seven. Macho Man, eight. Ultimate Warrior, nine. And I put in Edge's um, Rated R Superstar theme. So those were the ten I felt like when those. When those and you probably tell me, where's, people tell me, where's Hulk Hogan? Where's Ric Flair? And I'm like, eh, the, I like those, but... These ten gave me a different feel, gave me a different pop. When it came in the stadium, whether I was there or not on, on TV or whatever, when you heard it, it was just like, man, wow, you can't get any better than this. Do you agree, or who do you have in your maybe five or ten? I, I just made up five while you were talking. I got Stone Cold, of course, because the, the glass shattering is where it's at always. You know what I mean? NWO, of course. I can't believe you didn't mention The Rock. The Rock's music was always something where it's like, oh, he's here. It's so awesome. Uh, Brock Lesnar, 
Uh, Ric Flair, because I know you, you may not like it, but I, I love that classical music. When it hits, when nothing's worse than being in somewhere you're not supposed to be thinking about wrestling, and Ric Flair's music hits as a legitimate piece of music, and you start doing woos, like in, you're in like a library, <laughs> someone's listening to it, you're like woos, they're like, what's happening there? And uh, another one that no one mentioned, the Legion of Doom. What a rush! I loved all that. I loved all, I love Legion of Doom. So, so you gave me five, right? Or oh, that was six? Yeah, I gave you six. I don't do math very well. I don't care. <laughs> you ain't you the only one, man. But I know it, 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 it's a tough state. Um, it, it, the bottom line is, you know, there are so many theme songs that I left out. You know, I, I had Lesnar in the top 20. That, you know, there's also like Kurt Angle and Jake, Jake Roberts. And I was like, those, Randy Orton. Um, Rob Van Dam, I'll put in the top 20. I would love his theme song. But, you know, it's just one of those debates that you can go on forever. And no one, there's, there's never a, a a right five. There's never a right ten. You have your ten, I have my ten. But that always causes a, a great debate whenever um, that debate comes up. But, um, Donald, man, I, I appreciate it. Again, you're more than welcome to come on the show anytime. I would love to be a guest on your show whenever um, time is feasible. But, again, you do a great job. Bleacher Report, Ring Rust Radio. Again, you can hit him up on Twitter at Donald underscore Wood. It's been a pleasure, and I thank you again, man. Hey, man, thank you for having me on the show. Great stuff. All right, man, thank you.